rig. Okay. So, basically, this whole thing was supposed to be two separate shows. Um, was supposed to do one this past week, and then was going to do a playoff one for this week. Um, that didn't happen. Yeah, basically, my girlfriend got COVID, so she's been here, and she's still sick. So I'm having to kind of relocate how where I'm doing things and how I'm doing it. And I'm trying it on the phone for the first time, so here we go. Uh, welcome to Spitting Venom. Uh, I'm the host, Cliff Mullins, doing it solo today. Uh, because I've got a lot of crap to cover, and I'm not trying to do this for six hours. So we're going to roll through this just as quickly as I can, um, if Craig is willing to cooperate and not absolutely shit the bed on me for this. So I got everybody to kind of send me a bunch of questions and stuff. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, <clears throat> let's get to the first little bit of this. Um, where are my notes? Holy crap. I don't need that yet. Let's go over here. Uh, notes. All right. So let's start this thing off because this is probably going to be a good point, a good jumping off point here for us to uh, kick things off. Um, the truck race at Kansas happened. Um, TJ Floyd won. So there was that. I think it was his first win. Uh, but the real big thing in this, and probably is going to be the um, What a Dumbass Award, is going to go to Justin Mons because of his beef with Bill Rivard. Now, I went back and watched this, and essentially what it was is Bill Rivard made a move going through three and four on Justin Mons, and he didn't touch him. He didn't even get close to him. I wouldn't say he got close to him. I wouldn't even say he was running me close or anything if it was me. Um, he just kind of side-drafted him a little bit through three and four and passed him. And dude flies off the handle, pulled a, uh, a Martin Truex on him because uh, he was getting raced hard, apparently. And so later on in this race, and probably what actually led to T.J. Floyd getting the win, um, is I want to say it was right after... Green flag pit stops, maybe, maybe not, not entirely sure. Um, but essentially, what it was is that when Bill Rivard passed J Justin Mons like that, he got heated about it or whatever. When he came back out on the track, Bill was passing him again on the outside on a backstretch, and Justin Mons just drove straight into his quarter and spun him, which brought out a caution, which then I think changed everybody's strategy up which then led to T.J. Floyd basically walking away right into a win. Um, but it was what was said afterwards that gets this guy the dumbass award because um, <laughs> he basically goes off into a tangent about how um, when you're in a high K, IR, whatever, a high R, IR top split race, that you race differently than you would over here and all this stuff, or you guys wouldn't be able to handle racing in a top split race. Look, I can tell you this much. I've been in top split races. There's been um, a ton of people in this league that have been in top split races. We know how top split goes. Um, and it's not like you can't race next to each other or that they don't race each other hard, because they definitely do. I have been dumped by Casey Kerwin. At Richmond, um, you know, big time. Um, 
I raced with Malik Ray and Grand Bowling. Grand Bowling was passing me when Casey Kerwin dumped me. Um, he went by me clean. Casey didn't. So I still have a bone to pick with Casey over that. But anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, this guy went on and was saying that basically everyone at SRL wouldn't be able to handle being in a top split race or whatever. And so pretty much everybody turned on this dude. Everybody was going against him. Everybody was like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. All this stuff. And yeah, that's going to get you the, uh, the, the what a dumbass award for, for this show anyway. Um, but moving on from that, I didn't think Bill did anything wrong. Bill passed the guy and guy got mad about it and then decided to dump him. Um, I, I mean, Bill, Bill's relatively fast. I mean, it happens, whatever. Uh, he's really good on a mile and a half. Um, but moving on. Uh, let's see. I took a bunch of stuff out of this. I had a lot more stuff to talk about, and I decided I was going to trim this thing down. Um, let me make sure. One thing real quick. Let's make sure that uh, Craig is not shitting the bed on me here. Okay, Craig's still there. We're good. Okay. Back to the notes. I'm really nervous doing this on my phone because Craig likes to fuck things up. So, next up, I got Corey Deal winning in his return to actually being in a race. And he did something other than Xfinity. And showing up to race in Cup Series at, I want to say it was Charlotte. And comes away with a win in what was apparently... A three-hour shit show. Now, I've been a part of some really bad races. And really um, long races. I don't know how the hell y'all ran a three-hour race at Charlotte. I don't know what was going on. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I didn't get a chance to see it. But yeah, I heard it was three hours. We, I know, I'm not even going to go into the in-depth on it. But the Cup Series has been a struggle. And Adam's doing all that he can to try and remedy that. And I like what he's what he's got coming up with it. Um, you know, I think it'll start holding people a little bit more accountable, which is another talking point I'll get into later. Um, but pretty much, like, it's hard to put into words how the Cup Series is right now, because the next thing that I have on here is the Martinsville race where the Cup Series, and this one I'm not going to blame on the roster. I'm not going to blame it on everybody that was racing. Um, Because I think that the next-gen car at Martinsville is fucking terrible. And this is coming from somebody that lives 20 minutes away from Martinsville, that Martinsville is my home track, and it's probably one of the top three tracks that I like on all of iRacing. And I think that car sucks at that track. So... 38 cautions, setting a new SRL record. A lot of that had to do with the fact we were doing 250 laps. I thought it was a little bit long, but I like longer races. Um, in this one, Marcus Miller actually gets the win. At one point, I want to say the dude was three laps down. And he could not stay out of my ass end the entire first half of the race. Every time we would have a caution, or there was a spin in front of us, it seemed like Marcus Miller was running into me. So... I had a little bit of a bone to pick with that, but as usual, things look different from inside the car as they are outside the car. When you go back and look at some of the stuff that happened, 
dude had nowhere to go. So I give him a pass on that one. But <sighs> that car is so terrible at that track. I watched Michael Edwards, you know, a champion across the board here in SRL, just flat lose it coming out of turn four two, maybe even three times right in front of me. And I damn near did it a few times. And then on top of that, any time that you had to turn to the right, whether it was to save it from spinning, whether it was to miss a wreck, whatever it was, you were going to wreck. I wrecked on my own after the caution happened three times. Just either trying to miss a wreck, trying not to hit somebody that after the wreck, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was, I don't like that car there. And I think that there's still some improvement needs to be done to the next-gen car. That's my take on it. But 38 cautions at Martinsville. You expect a lot of cautions, especially on a long race like that. But that was a little excessive. Um, I think that a lot of it comes down to, once again, what I think Adam and the guys are starting to try and figure out with the new penalty system that he has over there uh, is to try and hold people accountable with what, with the mistakes that they make. Now we're not saying everybody's going to be perfect. Obviously Um, even myself included, I am damn sure not perfect. So I think, but at the same time, if I do screw up and whether it's at the moment that it happens or after looking at it after a race, whichever one, if I, if I'm the one that screwed up and messed up, I'm willing to take, you know, that on me. I'm willing to say, hey, that was my fault, or whatever. Um, there's a lot of people in SRL that they do not do that. And they do not like to do that, and they will not do that. So, I think that at a certain point, you have to have the accountability has to come into play. Um, and that's not just in Cup Series. That's, that's out across the board. And a lot of it is the same people that don't take into don't take their mistakes as they don't take uh, what what's the word I'm looking for here they don't take accountability for their mistakes they want to blame somebody else and that's going to be coming up here in just to uh, let's get to it now it's the next one the next one is somebody else somebody that doesn't like to take blame for something happening and that is being the Bristol drama that happened between Brandon Vasquez and Dalton Hayes. Now, this thing blew up. <laughs> it blew up in, in an epic fashion. It was not quite the Corey Deal um, slider thing. That was a whole other thing. It wasn't that bad. I know Corey wanted it to be that bad. It was not that bad. But this was heated. And it seemed like no matter... How many people said, hey, you kind of fucked up there. And this one almost won a dumbass, dumbass award for this one. It almost won it. But Justin Mons was, I felt, more egregious. But for some reason, in this whole thing, Dalton Hayes didn't want to take blame that he caused the wreck. Now, what essentially happened was, going into turn, eh, we'll say it was turn one. They looked the same. Um, Dalton was on going, he had a nose to the inside of Vasquez, but he wasn't there. 
you know, Vasquez still could run his line. You know, he barely had a nose there. Um, not to say that he wasn't going to send it in there. I knew he was going to send it in there. And here's the thing. Well, it, all right, go back to it. Essentially, Dalton Hayes turns Brandon Vasquez and ruins his race. I think Dalton got caught up into it, obviously. Uh, Roebuck got caught into it. It, was about, it, it. It caused a big wreck. And when Dalton got the penalty for it, he blew up about it, as, as Dalton usually does. Um, and then going back and looking at it afterwards, um, Swiss looked at it, uh, you know, on his stream. I was sitting, I was sitting there when he when he did it, and was saying, "Hey, you know, when he chopped you right there, you gassed it up and ran right through him." Um, but when the first words out of your mouth, Dalton, is "You blocked me twice," that kind of incriminates yourself already, right there. Um, that you, that you didn't like to how he blocked you, which I didn't think he did. Uh, going back and watching the previous, well, actually being right behind these two, I didn't see where he was blocking him. I thought both of them were trying to run the bottom. Um, and in full 100% transparency, this whole thing, and it led to, I don't know, I didn't even look at the penalties, but yeah, I want to say one of them got parked, one, one or the other. Vasquez ended up going back and hitting Dalton after the wreck and got parked for it. Um, I think Dalton got parked for a race. We got an EOL, not entirely sure. Um, but I had people ask me about it and say, did they think it was on purpose? I said, well, with how he went in there and then hit the throttle, I'd say it was. Um, <clears throat> but 100% transparency on this. I was the one that started this. So I had newer tires than these guys. And when I saw that they were starting to run the bottom, I was ripping the top. I had a lot of speed on the top and knew that if they were going to run the bottom, I was going to have to pass both of them on the outside, which I knew I could do. Um, so when we came off of turn four, Dalton left a little bit of a gap there to his outside. So I stuck my nose there and actually made contact with him coming out of turn four, which then kind of put him down on the bottom. And then going down into turn one, I knew that Vasquez, I knew the line that Vasquez was taking. He was either going to run middle to low and probably try to keep Dalton from passing. And I wouldn't say that he was chopping his nose, but I mean, he was running low enough and he was taking the angle away on entry. So I knew that if Dalton was on the bottom and if Vasquez was going to come down and I was going to go to the outside, I was fixing to blow the wrap off of both of them. And when I got down into turn one, I knew one of two things was going to happen. Either Dalton was going to lift and have to fall in line behind Vasquez, and which would then let me go around both of them, or he's going to drive it in there and try to stick his nose underneath him and cause a wreck. Thus, leave the second one of those two happened. And going into turn one, if anybody has a replay can see it, I let off early in order for me to, one, not hit the wall, because I was going all the way to the top. And two, I knew that if these two made contact, they were going to come up in front of me. So Vasquez spins in front of me, and I shoot down below him, 
avoiding him. In the process of that, I can't remember. All right, so Dalton, when he hit Vasquez, he came all the way up to where he was above me. And so when I turned underneath Vasquez, miss him spinning, Dalton ended up on my outside. So then he comes back down the track and doors me, which I think then doored into Blake and then spun Blake out. Blake Robot, that is. Because um, Blake Giglio went on to win the race. So it wasn't him, obviously. Um, and so, in a way, I started it and kind of saw it all happening and knew what was about to happen. Going back and looking at throttle inputs and everything like that and hearing, you know, whatever, you can see that when, Dal when the 20 came down and kind of, in a way, you can say he blocked him, but he was really just taking his line because he was going to run the bottom. When he did that, Dalton just gassed it up. In my mind, that's why I see. you see here, you know, let off the throttle. But if you're going to run the bottom, you're not going to get back on the throttle that soon. You're never going to make that corner. You're going to run right into the wall. Um, he would have taken me out in that case. If, he, if that was where he was going to pick up his throttle at, he was going to take me out, and I was all the way up against the wall. So that was the whole thing. Um, Blake Giggly obviously goes on to win the race. I finished third in that one, I believe. Um, got a top three out of it. And then um, this was also the same race that Arthur break Adam Crozier got a top ten. I want to say he finished ninth in this one, ninth or tenth. And um, so it was really good to have him get back up there and, you know, having a decent run. He hadn't had one of those in quite a while. But I was glad to see him get a top ten. And, hey, race with those gloves off. You seem to be doing a whole lot better without them. Um, moving on. That's enough about that one. Uh, this one's going to be pretty quick. Uh, Cody Cleaver, who has become literally like the biggest threat in street stocks all of a sudden. Um, actually, at anywhere that we run road courses, he seems to be a road course ringer. Not entirely a ringer. I mean, he's still good on the other tracks, but on a road course, he is turning into a Lucas Hoitzma. Um I mean, he's really good on road courses, apparently, because he lapped the entire field at Lime Rock in the street stocks. Um, at one point, I want to say me and Will were going at it again, as we would do in the street stocks. Um, I want to say we were racing for second or third. I'm not entirely sure. I know Jay Richter had a good run going and then lagged out. That was unfortunate, I think. But I don't think anybody had a chance at catching Cody Cleaver. Um, me and Will, ended, I think we ended up battling for a second, and at one point, <laughs> me and him were battling it out, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the leader's behind us, and of course he drives right on by us like it ain't nothing. Um, I tried a little bit of a strategy call to pit early, and it didn't work out. Uh burned my tires up way too quick, so, I mean, I think Will had, a, had an easy pass on me for a second, and then... Couldn't hold Cleaver off either, so he laps the entire field at Lime Rock. Um, somehow, I don't know how, but Billy stayed awake, stayed awake for that one. Um, let's see, what else have I got on this here? I got uh, Jay Richter, who I was just talking about for the uh, Street Stocks. Got a win in Legends at Bristol. I didn't get a chance to see it, but it is. Uh, I think it's his first win he's ever had here. And he hadn't been around for very long, so I think, I think this is, might be... I don't know if we're going to consider him a rookie for this season or what, but I know he kind of come in roughly around the beginning-ish 
somewhere around there. So good on him to get a get a Legends win at Bristol. Um, then the Martinsville race happened in in, in the Legends, and uh, Alex Rayling won that one. Um, it was a lot that happened in that race, and I ain't gonna lie to you, I forgot every fucking bit of it. So I know that he won. I had a bunch of stuff I was going to talk about. I, I think I actually ran pretty clean in this one. going to say I didn't wreck 10 times like I did the first time I did that race. Um, So, I don't remember anything big drama-wise happening in that one. So, we'll move on. Uh, I might ought to hold off on that one right there. No, no, we can get into this now. Um, Yeah. Yeah we, can, yeah, we can go ahead and do this one then. All right, so that's going to take us to the street stocks at Hickory. <laughs> A lot of people have been waiting on this one. Um, Quinn Newton getting the win with a bump and run on Damon Nagel that was for the ages. If you're a short track guy like me, that was as good of a bump and run as you can pull off. Now, the, the, the big thing is that everybody says, was it a bump and run or was it a dump and run? That was a bump and run, guys. That was a bump and run, maybe on older tires, okay? But last lap, last corner. In the real world, anybody's going to do that. This is a video game, I know that, and we don't have sponsorship money on the line or, no, or, or prize money on the line or nothing like that. But to me, iRacing... Um, Project Cars, Forza, whatever it was I was racing in. I did this stuff, and I do leagues mostly, exclusively, only because of the competition. The competition, to me, is still just as real as going to Bowman Gray and having a modified down there and racing. To me, it's just it's the same feeling. I get the same feeling when, I'm, when it's three to go. And I'm leading, and I know there's a guy behind me, and he's slightly faster than me. I still get those butterflies, man, like I was strapped into a race car. I still get that. To me, that competition feeling is still there, even though the rest of the shit's fake. Okay? Um, so to me, I tend to race like I would in a real car. Sort of, kind of. If you wreck me, and then I come back and knock the hell out of you, or wreck you on purpose, much like Jeremy Clapper. Um, I probably wouldn't do that with a real car, because obviously you could get hurt, it would cost more money, whatever. Um, but at some point, you're going to show your displeasure. Um, that stuff, maybe not so much as what I would do in a real car, but as far as in racing, um, I try to do it as much as I could, like if it was a real car. Um, so that's why you see me kind of not being overly aggressive or having a lot of patience riding right behind somebody. That's why I like longer races too, by the way, the shorter races, I have to drive like a dick. Um, and in this one, I had to drive like a dick because I was stuck for two laps down. Um, and so I had to kind of be a little bit of an asshole in this race in order to get myself back on the lead lap, race the hell out of Cody Brown. I know that made him mad. But is what it is, you know. It the where I racing put me at. That's where I stayed at, and I drove it like I stole it in order to get back on the lead, get a chance to be back on the lead lap. 
But into this race, um, and the reason why it was such a big deal was earlier in the race, Cody Brown got into Quinn in a similar fashion. And because Quinn spun out, the call from upstairs, BM Bandio, said that it was a penalty on Cody. So Cody Brown took offense to that, obviously. And then when Quinn did the same thing for the win against Damon Nagel, obviously he thought, hey, he should have the win taken away because his bump was the same, was similar, if not close to the same, as what I did to him. And because Damon Nagel didn't save it, he actually spun and wrecked. Everybody wanted to say that he dumped him. But going back and looking at it, seeing the speed differences and knowing everything that I know about short track racing, that's a bump and run all day, every day. Um, a lot of times with a bump and run, a lot of it's put on the guy in front to know that it's, it's going to come. You know, I think back to um, the Bristol Dirt Race this year. Uh, Tyler Reddick versus Chase Briscoe. Granted, that was a sin from hell, and Briscoe was never going to make it run. Um, that wasn't that wasn't a bump and run by any means. But one of the things that Tyler Reddick said was like, "It was my fault because I allowed him to get close enough to do it." So that's something that I also think about too. It's like you know, hey, if this if you know that and and Quinn had a hell of a run come through one and two. He was going to catch Damon Nagel. If it wasn't a bump and run on the last corner, if there was one more lap to go, I think he passes him one way or the other in turn one and two because he was just so much better than Damon Nagel there. And I think that if it was five laps to go, neither one of them would have won that race because I was coming on newer tires. Um, I think I ended up fourth and was reeling in Mark Kincaid Reeling in Quinn and Damon Nagel. Um, five more laps, and I think I would have been up there, one doing it. I think it would have come down to me and Quinn. But that ain't what happened. So, um, I thought it was a good move. I, I won't say a good move, but it was a it was a classic bump and run. Okay, and in short track racing, that's what you're going to have. Now, this is going to take us right into the next... Um, talking point that I have, which is the Nashville Super Speedway race in the Cup Series that we had. Because it ended very, very similarly, but not quite the same. Not quite the same dramatics. Um, I think there were still the same hurt feelings, but there wasn't as much discussion about it with the Cup Series race versus the Street Stock race. That's the other thing. The street Stocks are supposed to, you're supposed to be able to beat and bang in those things. I mean, it, it you're going to have it. You're going to have it with a street stock car. Um, anyway, more on that later because I know people have asked that in the in the question section. Um, so in the Cup Series race, um, Adam Buzio and Michael Edwards battling it out, coming down to the last lap. Now, this one did have playoff implications. It did. And that ended up being kind of construed a little bit and kind of mixed up. There's more than 12 people in this thing. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, but the going back and looking at it, 
Adam Buzia gets a run coming through one and two. And I'm not entirely sure if it was um, kind of where, I don't know. I don't think that Mike would intentionally slow down because that would be dumb. But for some reason, Adam got one hell of a run through the middle of one and two. And once again, in these cars, in the next-gen car, um, it doesn't take much of a bump to send someone sideways. Now, the bump wasn't bad. The bump didn't wreck Mike. You know, it did not wreck Mike Edwards. Um, Adam Buzio puts a bump to him. And you can tell it kind of catches him by surprise. He was not expecting it. Um, he wasn't, I, I, well, maybe he wasn't expecting to get that much of a run to where he would have to make that judgment call. And another thing you got to think is like, and especially if you have my driving style, which I don't think Adam Buzio does, but once you have kind of committed to where you're going to be coming off the corner, that's kind of where you aim for. And then if all of a sudden you get a run on somebody and you have to avert and change that real quick, you can't do it in a cup car because you'll wreck. Um, I think that's exactly what happened with Alex Coffey, who ended up wrecking Mike Edwards. Um, it seemed like he couldn't make the move quick enough without wrecking himself in order to avoid him and ended up wrecking him on a backstretch. While that's happening, there's a three-wide battle for, I don't know, we were probably 90th, but I got caught up in it. Um, I can't remember who it was that hit the wall, but Jake Lawrence was to my outside. Um, I was trying to get close enough to um, the three, TJ Roberts. Um, obviously, I still have payback for Martinsville from him with his last uh, last-ditch effort at the end of the race of that one, where he drove through me, shoved me through Adam Buzio, and somehow I managed to not absolutely destroy Adam Buzio, uh, but ended up wrecking me at the end of the race, and whatever, I was mad about that, so I still owe him one, but I thought about very, very seriously about getting him back here, but I was going to wait until the white flag came out, so that way I would not affect the finish. Now, so I was trying to stay close to him, but Jake was to me out to my outside, and there was another car that ended up. We ended up three wide, and whoever it was that was on the outside, I cannot remember who it was. It might have been Jeremy Shearer. I'm not a hundred percent on that. Whoever it was hits the wall, and then comes down into Jake, which then comes down into me, and so then I get shot down through the grass. Now, if you've ever driven one of these next gen cars on iRacing, you know. When you get in the grass or when you get out of shape, you're basically along for the ride. Now, I did try to stay in the gas, try to get it straightened out in the grass. I had the wheel cut, trying to trying to drive through it, because obviously it's the last lap. Caution is not going to come out. you got to try and keep as many positions as you can. Once it kind of started coming back to the right, and I realized i got to start getting back to the left again in order to... What what I was trying to do was get this thing to catch just enough of the asphalt where it would keep me on the apron. And that didn't happen. Um, 
I saw a string of cars coming on the outside, and I'm like, this ain't going to be good. Um, I was off throttle, on throttle, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, turn to the right more, even though I've got the wheel cut to the left. Um, so I was doing everything I could to not come back up the track because I was like, I didn't want to ruin it for anybody else. And of course, in typical Cliff Mullins fashion, um, I come right back up the track and run right into Blake Roebuck. If the two of us can never get away from each other for once, <clears throat> when it comes down to a playoff race, well, a cutoff race for the playoffs, obviously we have to be, find each other again, apparently, because I cannot get away from him. Um, we've Since race number one, we've been running into each other. Uh, sometimes heated, sometimes not. Sometimes just racing deals, sometimes not. Sometimes being mad at each other, whatever. And this time I was doing everything I could not to come back on that track. And I just hope so happened to come back up the track. And when I did, there was Blake Roebuck. So, screwed him up, obviously. And, and of course, Mike gets screwed out of the whole deal because he was leading and gets wrecked on the backstretch. And... I want to say the call was to put both of them in the playoffs. I'm not entirely sure. They don't have to play off like the, the final standings up just yet. Well, they do, but I ain't looked at it yet. But we'll get into that one later when we get to the playoff shit. Uh, but yeah, that was how uh, Nashville happened. Uh, but it was the same thing. It was, it was a bump and run. It wasn't nearly as bad as Quinn's. Um, not that Quinn's was bad. I thought it was a good short track bump and run versus a super speedway next gen bump and run. Buzzy was bumping around was a hell of a lot better than Joey Logano's, I will say that. Um, so then, uh, what's next here? Okay, here we go. This will be a good one. <laughs> All right. So, the only time that I'm probably ever going to bring up the Super Late Model series on this, um, because it's... Um, one, it's not broadcasted, so none of y'all can see it unless you race supers. Um, you you have no idea. Y'all don't see it. It's not out there. It's just names on names and numbers on paper. Pretty much all it is for you guys. Um, the ones that don't race in it. But uh, we ran North Wilkesboro in them. Now, the super late models, obviously, a uh, big thing for me because I'm a short track guy. Um, it actually coaxed my uh, one of my best friends back in, into SRL who had left it to go dirt racing and because mainly because there was no short track shit going on no super late models no modifies none of that so he was like whatever fuck this I'm out and got, went, went and did his dirt shit for a while he's back I wasn't talking about Garrett Boyd um, which by the way he won tonight so good on him for that we'll talk about it on the next show um the we were at North Wilkesboro, which uh, in the Super Late Model is a ton of fun, a really fun race. Uh, could have been, wasn't, um, not for me. Um, but it brings back the um, our old buddy Jeremy Clapper, and obviously everybody knows that Quinn had his issues with him. I've had issues with him. Whatever. We cleared all that shit out. It, it was what it was. So in this race, early in the race, Clapper turns the 73. Now, I will say this. It's been a little bit of an ongoing um, pestering going on, I believe. Uh, I won't say that he's been doing this shit on purpose, but it's been annoying. Um, 
whatever this whole thing is with the um with uh <laughs> on the restarts, Clapper likes to run into the back of me. And if he doesn't run into the back of me, he will push whoever is behind me into the back of me. Now I know that a lot of us pick around with each other and we you know, do the you know, we'll run up and bump somebody. I do it to Cody Brown all the time. I do it to Mike Edwards all the time. I do it to Lucas Hoytsma all the time. Um, you know, we, we give we, we might give a little bump every now and then, you know, just you know, hey, guess who's behind you, whatever. Um, but Clapper does it a lot. I like a lot like and he doesn't do it lightly. Like I can remember New Smyrna um in the Supers. He run a slap into the back of me before the green come out. And I was like, that was, I mean, I don't know if he was just trying to anticipate when the green was going to come out, when they were going to go, but it, he ran right into me and damn near wrecked me there. That was kind of where I really noticed that. I was like, it really hits me a lot on restarts. It happened a couple more times, whatever. Um, most of the time I can save it. I, I don't think he's actually wrecked me on a restart like that. Um, not like Ian Montrose. At Martinsville. That happened, and I was mad about that one. Um, which, by the way, me and Ian are completely on great terms right now. Um, and matter of fact, he's probably going to be on the next show, now that I think about it. But, um, the, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Clapper at Wilkesboro. So, at, at North Wilkesboro, um, we're not even 10 laps into this race, and Clapper um, turns to 73. want to say it's Andrew Hayes. I think he's the only person around here to use 73. So Clapper turns him, brings out a caution. Now, mind you, the admin that runs the super late models is there watching, is not doing race control. So there's no EOL penalties for turning somebody. There is no drive-through penalties for for wrecking somebody twice, or none of that. It's just she does everything after the race, whatever, whatever happens during the race happens during the race. Okay, apparently that doesn't go for everything you know, that happens during the race. So Clapper turns to seventy-three, which is fine, and we get going again, and going through three and four, Clapper. Just claps me, and that's I. If you've been listening to the show, you know what getting clapped means. He flat runs you over coming out of the corner, and or going into the corner. But this just happened to be coming out of the corner. Um, it was a classic case of he got a little bit of a run and wasn't gonna waste it. He wasn't gonna lift. He wasn't going to try to avoid. He was just. He got a good run, and I happened to be in the way. And I know a lot of people that race with Jeremy are going to think, or going to say, going to see, going to hear that, and they're going to say, "Yep, that's how it is." That's one thing about, that, that bugs me about Clapper, because he'll do that. He'll get a run, and he's never going to waste it. He is always going to, if he notices that he gets a run on you. He's going to go after it, whether you're there or not. Whether you have, you know, what I mean, and he hit me like straight in the left rear bumper. Like it was, there was no saving it. And I mean, a super late model is usually loose, 
loses loses all get out, you know, to begin with. Much less when you get the rear tires jacked up coming out of turn four at Wilkesboro. So he turns me, get up into the wall. I want to say Jeremy Spear got into me, and it bent the probably bent the left front. Um, because I think he hit me in the left front. So obviously I get a meatball. Now I don't know what the rule is on this because I brought it up probably two seasons ago. Actually, I know it had to be two seasons ago because it was IndyCars. Um, I brought up the fact that, hey, if you clear a black flag for a meatball, then it clears the meatball and you can continue to race. Um, And I kind of felt like amongst the people that I had talked to, they were like, I kind of like that idea. You know, we we can make that a thing. Um, And so I was like, cool. So for me, getting the meatball cleared by clearing the black flag has always kind of been in my mind. You know, if the car is drivable and I'm not going to be all over the place with it, if it's drivable, I may may not be fast enough, but I will at least have enough time to, you know, over time, at least be able to finish the race if I wanted to, you know. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen because it was told to me. I haven't done that all season. I'm not going to do it now. Much like she was saying the same thing about wave rounds when that was asked for. Can't remember who it was. Might have been Dominic. I think Dominic Chisholm uh, dropped out and he wanted to wave around to get like two, three, four laps back, whatever it was. And she was like, nope, I'm not doing wave rounds because I haven't done that all season. So. When I asked about the meatball clear, that was what was said. Oh, I haven't done that all season. So, okay. I go in and pit. Obviously, it's 10 minutes of damage. I have to sit there for 10 minutes. In that 10 minutes, I'm watching the rest of the race go on. And actually spotting for Garrett, uh, who was in the race. And so, helping my teammate out. And, of course, in that time frame of those 10 minutes, Clapper turned somebody else. He turned Jeremy Shearer. Caution didn't come out because Shearer went down into the grass, but he did turn another one around. So there was three people that Clapper had got now. And I'm still mad about it because I'm thinking, and I'll go back and watch mine, and obviously I see where he just drives right through me. And I'm like, okay. So there's no race control in, in, in the sense of he's not going to get penalized for this. He's wrecked three people at this point. And nothing's happened. No EOL, no drive-through, no one-lap penalty, none of that. So I took it upon myself, saying, okay, if you're not going to do anything about it, I'll handle it myself. And that's exactly what I did. Now, for those that were in attendance, (laughs) they saw a show. Because I come out of the pits right as Jeremy Clapper was coming around me. And so going into turn three, it was easy. It was, e- it was the easiest take out I've ever had. Just throttle down and don't turn. And uh, flipped him over and everything. So I got him good. I got him real good. And then all of a sudden the race control showed up. Because all of a sudden I got disqualified immediately for it. And was called out because I have to get my shit together. Or, or uh, intentional wrecking is, is not tolerated 
Um, so I got disqualified immediately. And then all of a sudden, black flags started getting cleared and wave rounds were starting to give out. So all of a sudden, it was like when I did that, the race control had to show up all of a sudden. It had to do something, made people do something at that point. So that was kind of kind of my point was if you're going to show up, it's one thing if you're not there. If you're not there, that's fine, whatever. But when you show up, you're sitting there, you're watching the race. You're saying whatever it is you're saying in whatever group chat you're in. And nothing's being done. And especially when it's one guy wrecking three people. And nothing. Just nothing. That's when we start taking it upon ourselves. And I'm the one that will do it. Because I don't care. I don't care if you park me. I don't care if you kick me out of the series. I don't care. It is zero fucks given on this end. Because I miss every other race anyway. Most of the time. Granted, I've had some lucky streaks here where I've been able to make enough races to make playoffs this season. First time that's ever happened since I've been in SRL. But if you say, if I do something in a race, and then let's say I retaliate to somebody, you can park me all you want to. I don't care. I got my point across. Because ever since then, Clapper has left me alone. Now I don't know if he's waiting for the right time to wreck me, or if he's waiting to get back at me later. <clears throat> Whatever it is. Me and him have raced around each other. We've had, you know, we've raced on the Friday fun nights. We've run into each other, whatever. You know, nobody cares about that, but. It's, and we're not on bad terms. I'm not saying that I can't stand Jeremy Clapper. There are people in the league that say that, that they cannot stand to race, to race around Jeremy Clapper. I'm not one of them. I just, I know what to look for. I know what to expect from him. And we've raced around each other for the past X number of races since I took him out at the uh, at North Wilkesboro, and I haven't had a problem with him. So, to me, I handled what was between me and him right then and there. And as far as I'm concerned, it's squashed. I don't have a problem with Clapper no more. I got my point across. But the fact that the Super Late Model Series has an admin that shows up and doesn't want to do race control, that's unfortunately. That's what happens to a good series that's run the wrong way. Not saying she does a bad job running it, but that's not the way to go about it. Um, that's my little rant on the Super Late Models, and it's probably the last time I'll ever mention them. Um, I'm not even considering their playoffs or anything right now because I know Brett Suggs is going to win it. Um, it's, a, it's a known thing. Um, even if they do playoffs, I don't even know how they're doing it. I don't know. I don't care. It's whatever. Moving on. So, let's see. Brandon Vasquez wins at Talladega in, uh, what the fuck car was this? I want to say it was trucks. It would have to be trucks, because TJ Floyd was in it, so it had to be trucks. Um, so, Brandon Vasquez gets the win, and it was a decent finish. You know, it was a really close finish. But the big story from this one was the pit road incident between T.J. Floyd and Daddy Dave Hoitzma. Um, and it got heated, to say the least. Not even between Daddy Dave. Daddy Dave didn't even... Uh, he basically said his piece of, hey, why the hell were you inside of me? Now, if anybody doesn't know, um, Pit Road, it's a rule. Rule 12, actually. Um, in most series. 
that if you're coming into the pits, they want you to stay to the right. Okay. Now, a lot of times having an early pit stall, you know, if you start in the back, whatever. Um, I myself would use the left. If I know I'm starting in the back and I got one of the first three boxes, my ass is going to the left because I know I'm going to be one of the first ones in. That way it keeps me out of everybody else's way and we can kind of interact however. Now, this isn't the first time somebody's wrecked on pit road. It's just the first time somebody's hit Daddy Dave on pit road. Because Daddy Dave is one that he will typically um, start towards the back and work his way up to the front. Uh, Dave likes to try and not get into the middle of everybody's shit. He doesn't like to uh, uh, rough anybody up other than my right side. He ends up on my right side a lot. Um, Not by means of aggression or anything like that, but we usually end up running into each other. And he usually ends up on my right door. Um, but in this case, uh, TJ Floyd comes in to the pits behind Daddy Dave. And he's on the left side of him. And I want to say Dave probably had the second, maybe third stall. And then probably another two, three stalls ahead of him is where TJ Floyd's stall is. Okay. So... And coming down the pits, um, when when Dave goes to turn into his pit stall, obviously the forty nine spins him out, and off we go. So Dave says, "Well, why were you on the inside of me? The, the rule is to stay to the right." Which then TJ Floyd's like, "I didn't see no rule that says that." Um, whatever. And then his whole thing is, "Well, why'd you go forty miles an hour on pits?" Which when you go back and look at it, he didn't. That didn't happen. He didn't. He wasn't going to forty. Um, Essentially, what it was that happened is T.J. Floyd thought that he could pass Danny Dave before he got to his pit stall. What it, what it all comes down to. He thought Danny Dave was going too slow, so he tried to go around him on the inside. And then when Danny Dave come in to go into his pit, boom, hits the 49. All of a sudden, the uh, the lips start going. So, And Danny Dave's he's a non-confrontational guy. He's going to you know just kind of brush it off and whatever. Most of the time he just leaves, which is exactly what happened. And then he left everything. He just dropped out of everything. He just dropped everything. Was like, I'm not dealing with it no more. And which then pissed uh, Dave's son, Lucas, you know, one of the top drivers in SRL, pissed him off. And it also pissed off Daniel LaWallet. It pissed off Glenn Newton. It pissed off uh, Tanner Knoll, and in a way, it pissed me off too because Dave doesn't do that. Dave doesn't get mouthy with people. He might be he, he has the, the tendency to be a smartass sometimes, which we all do. But Dave doesn't go off, you know, on a tangent on anybody. That doesn't happen. So the fact that this guy wanted to continually place blame on Dave about it was what pissed everybody off. And so then everybody got lippy with him. Everybody wanted to race him like a dick, which happens. I mean, you got to realize there's a lot of teammates out here. I mean, if you mess with one CTC guy, you're going to have the other five on you. If you mess with one of the guys from Wrecking Ball, you're going to have the other four or five on you. You mess with one guy from 1010, let's say you go out there and you wreck JR Deal like I did at freaking Auto Club, you're going to have the other 14 of them on you. Um, 
granted with me and JR, everybody knows that wasn't intentional or anything like that. Um, but it looked like it really bad. <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, but my whole thing was, and really what the whole thing the CTC guys were trying to come up with would say, dude, just own up to your shit. Which is, once again, another rant we're going to get into later. Um, there's a lot of people that don't own up to their, their, their own fuck-ups. They don't own up to it. They're just like, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Um, you know, and that was, if the guy would have just been like, hey, my bad, I shouldn't have been there. You know, I see the rule now, whatever. You know, I was just, I was trying to get to my box quicker than you, blah, blah, blah. It was a racing thing. It happens. I mean, come on. Me and Will Sparks have wrecked how many times on pit road now? I know at least twice in one race it happened. So, it, it it's it's part of it, you know. But those were green flag stops. Anyway. um, Let's see. What else do I got on here? Uh, the Southern National Race to happen on Sunday. Uh... Yeah, Mark Kincaid got a win in that. I think it's his first win. That one was marred in a a race control controversy. And that one a little bit. I would say a little bit. Um, and Jeremy Clapper was doing race control. And I'm really not trying to pick on Clapper about this at all. Um, it, it might seem like I, this is the Clapper hates us all episode. No, it's not that. Um, but... In the, 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 the street stock race at Southern National, he did miss a few calls. Or he made a few calls that were a little suspect. Um, especially the one with Lucas. Because at one point, towards the later half of the race, um, Zach Margison is leading. Lucas, is, Lucas was one of the faster cars. I think it was between Lucas, Mark Kincaid, Cody Brown, and probably myself. Uh, Ian Montrose was pretty fast there, too. That probably would have been the top five. Um, Lucas was going to be first or second, I think. You know, he was one of the better cars. <laughs> and then Margison, you know, with the, the, the strategy, but 250 laps, one thing, way too long. Well, it felt like it was way too long, but ended up being relatively fine. Um, I, think, I think a 200 lapper would have been fine. 200 would have been right on the dot. Um, but uh, and on a small track like that, it was it, it was a short track race. But in 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 this instance, um, whereas Quinn and Damon Nagel at Hickory was a bump and run, this one was just a bad call because Lucas got the penalty for it. And going back and looking at it. Yeah, he made contact with Zach Margison and turned him. But what you don't see is the four seconds before that where Zach Margison is already loose and already fixing to spin. And Lucas had nowhere to go. That, my friends, is a racing incident. And a lot of people... Now, Bandio, he'll do it. Bandio does not mind calling a racing incident. And sometimes we even get questionable about that. Saying, oh, there's no way that was a racing incident. The dude took him out. Whatever. It's not about intent a lot of times. But in an instance like that, where somebody's getting loose, and the person behind him doesn't have enough reaction time to check up in time to not hit him, which on a track that small is very fucking unlikely, uh, that's a racing incident all day, every day. 
Um, there was a couple of instances where there was um, contact made. And, I, and the same thing kind of happened at Hickory, where there was calls that were made where you could say it was a racing deal. It wasn't a racing deal. You know, the deal with Cody and Quinn, you could say that was a racing deal in my mind, even though Cody wanted to say it was the same as the, the Quinn bump and run. His bump and run was different because it was coming off of a corner, and it's two different worlds right there. Going into the corner, everybody's on a braking. You got a little bit more control of the car. When you're coming off the corner, that's all throttle input. If you see you're fixing to get right up on somebody, you're fixing to run into somebody, you crack the throttle, you don't hit them. A lot of times. Um, now, whether or not Quinn got loose in front of him, that's a whole other thing. That would, In my mind, that would be the same thing as what happened to Margerson and Lucas at Southern National. But I swear, I'm not trying to pick on Clapper about it. Um, I just think he made a couple of blown calls in that one. Um, not everything is a, you know, not every little bit of contact where somebody spins is necessarily grounds for a penalty. Sometimes it's a racing deal. Two guys going into the corner and they meet, they door each other and one of them spins. Not, I mean, that's a racing thing. Now, if you drive it in there and you door them, you know, up freaking two and a half fucking car widths, yeah, okay, that's a different story. There's a fine line there between whether you door somebody hard enough to wreck them versus you know, if they wreck, it's hard, it's hard to kind of explain it, really. You can door people and not wreck. I mean, me and me and Ian Montrose did it for a good bit right there, late night race. Uh, we were doing each other like crazy, and um, neither one of us wrecked. I think I ended up wrecking though because I got loose off the corner. But um, something like that, if you see guys that are kind of racing hard, and you know you're going to make contact, especially on a short track, it's going to happen. You're going to have contact, and you can see they're kind of keeping each other, you know, straight, or whatever. Or they're racing each other hard like that. And then just so happens that one you know, one bump goes a little bit off and somebody spins. I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, if if me and Ian Montrose were racing like we were at the end of, of, of Southern National. And let's say I bump him going into the corner. Or I door him up the track a little bit. Trying to clear the exit. And I don't get quite quite cleared. We go down to the next corner, and then he pinches me down a little bit. But where he pinches me down, it turns me. You know, I catch the apron, and it turns me around and spins, whatever. I would not expect for Ian Montrose to get a penalty because he pinched me down in the corner. I wouldn't expect that. Now, if Ian Montrose is behind me and he dumps the shit out of me, okay, it's a different story. Um, but during each other, man, you got to call that a racing incident. I'm, a majority of the time, unless somebody just egregiously misses the bottom and comes up into somebody, that's kind of how I look at it. But I don't do race control because obviously I do more driving. And if I could do race control, it would be if I could make it to every week and be able to. There are definitely series I would do race control for. I would do it for Xfinity because I don't like those cars. I would do it for ARCA because I feel like they need it. Um, I would do it for trucks. Sometimes. Nah, I don't know. I kind of like racing the trucks. Um, I would do it for Legends, obviously. I mean, but I can't make it every week. 
how many hell y'all see how hard it is just for me to do these damn shows like this i'm doing one literally sitting in the floor in my damn spare bedroom with uh, a lamp and uh, my phone that's how i'm doing this trying not to freaking get covid again because that sucks but so that's uh that's gonna take us to the playoffs i believe that's kind of all the all the notes i have here we kind of covered everything. Like I said, Mark Kincaid won that race. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Um, he actually ran a really good race. Uh, and it's been, it's been a long time coming. He's been fast. He's been fast in those cars. I um, want to say this is his... It might be the only series he actually runs. He, I remember him being in a recruitment race with us there. And he was pretty decent in that one, too. So, um, I kind of wish I could get a drink right now. Because I'm out of that one. So, that's going to take us to the playoffs. Oh, I'm going to back out here a little bit. I'm going to go back into Discord real quick. Hold on, let me make sure. Craig, are you still working? Okay, you're still working. Good. Good man. Um, playoffs. This is how I'm going to do it. If people are in the playoffs, they know they're in the playoffs. I'm going through the playoff list, and I'm going to tell you who I think is going to win the freaking championship. Because um, I'm not doing Final Four picks and all that stuff. Um, shockingly enough, I made it in the playoffs in three series this season, which never happens. I've gotten lucky with ARCA, and I've been able to make a lot of races. Whether it is because of a holiday being on a Monday, or a vacation day being on a Monday, or me being sick on a Monday, whatever it's been, I've been able to make a bunch of these races. So, shockingly enough, I made the playoffs in the in the ARCA series. For fuck's sakes, Craig, get your shit together. Okay. Now, what the fuck was I talking about? I'll have to piece this shit together. Um... Let's see. Back over to SRL. Oh, that's right. Who was I, who was I going to pick for um, ARCA Championship? By the way, I now have a cat that is crawling all over me. So just in case you hear something purring, that ain't me. Um, so who I think is going to win the ARCA Championship? Honestly, I think it's going to be a new champion. I think Blake Roebuck probably wins this thing, unless I completely screw him out of it somehow by running into him, which has happened a lot this season. But he has been one of the more consistent guys, and has been really, really fast in that car. And it's not about those bigger tracks like that. Blake Roebuck's really, really fast at those. I mean, I, I, I kind of think of how fast he was at Motegi, even though Motegi's a little bit like a Michigan, not quite. Um, but those long sweeping corners like that, man, I think that Roebuck has an opportunity to, uh, to jump on it. So if he makes the final four, I think he's going to be a favorite from, from Michigan. Um, I still think, you know, obviously Blake Giggler is going to be up in there. Michael Edwards will probably be in there. Uh, Lucas, obviously, um, if he decides to go for it, is going to give him room for his money. But man, Roebuck's been on a roll here, especially in Arca. So, um, that's kind of who I think it will probably be. Um, Arca champion this year. I'm going for Blake Roebuck. I think that's who's going to be 
who that that's who my pick is. We'll say that. Um let's see, let's go to Xfinity. And let's hope like hell that Swiss actually put this up. Okay, he does have points up. Alright, so um I can't exactly remember how uh Okay, yeah, they're doing it the same as everybody. That's what JR said. Um so with this one, man, this is this is a stacked ass playoff right here. Um Hayden Lowell, Wesley Parker, Ghostman, Travis Martin, Bill Rivard, Clint Roberts, Justin Wilkinson, Michael Edwards, Joseph Madigan, um I mean Brandon Bikey's in this, Ethan Evers, Joel Munchell, Jeremy Shearer, and hey, Penguin made it, Nathan Lafayette. Um even though I said, well, no, actually, I think, no, never mind. I think Penguin missed it by one. Um, he was he was the odd man out. That's right. Nobody's doing thirteen except for the Cup Series. No one's doing thirteen. Um, but this one's a tough one, though. Those guys up front, man, that's a uh, it's a stacked group. But with the way the points are and how they have their points set up. Hayden Lowell have a pretty stout lead on a bunch of these guys. I think it's going to come down to Hayden versus Wesley. But if I'm not mistaken, I think they're only doing one reset. So once these playoffs start, actually, that's probably a lie. I have no idea how the fuck they're doing it. But if I'm going to take a guess, I think that the top four in points right now might be how the top four, the final four will be. Um, with it being Hayden Lowell, Wesley Parker, Travis Martin, and Bill Rivard. Um, there's a couple of them that they could, would you stop it? You're stuck on the bed, you dummy. This cat. Oh my god. Anyway, this, um, yeah, that's right. Salem's gonna be the one that takes over this show now because he keeps trying to jump on me and he keeps getting his claws stuck in this bed. So, um, you are really distracting, just so you know that. Anyway, that's uh, cat dad shit. Um, I forgot what the fuck I was saying anyway, before the cat decided to get stuck hanging from a bed. <clears throat> Hi, how are you doing? Okay. Sit there. Please. Quit it. Um, screw it. We're just going to say that um, Wesley Parker's going to win his championship, okay? I think he... he, he Rattles another one off. Didn't he win the last one? I can't remember. Let's go up here real quick. I can find out real quick. Um, who won it last week? Wesley Parker. Okay, so I think he goes back to back. I think Wesley Parker goes back. Would you get the hell out of my face? Wesley Parker's winning the Xfinity Championship. Um, you guys can meet my cat now, apparently, because he wants to get right in my face. Um... So, okay, this is going to be convoluted as shit to try and do this cup one. Uh, series standings and playoff picture. Let's click on that and see what we got here. Salem, would you fuck off? Please. Okay. Oh, y'all have this all fucked. No, back out. I'm not doing that one. I don't even see the playoff, but no, no thanks. Okay. Okay. Anyway, back and back and out of that. Um, cup series. 
All right, let's go and go off who fucking won races this year. This is what we're going to do. Um, well, y'all let Michael Edwards be in it. So, and Roebuck's going to be in it as well. Um, I think it's going to be redemption this year. I think that th- that this season's going to be redemption. I think Alex Coffey is going to not let any... Uh, which I think the finale is supposed to be at... Please say it's not Phoenix. Homestead. Ooh, man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I know John Curtis is good there. Uh, but I still think that Alex Coffey is probably going to get into the Final Four, and if he's in that Final Four, I think he's going to be really tough to beat at Homestead. So I'm going Alex Coffey for the Cup Series. Um, Let's see. I don't think there's even a reason to do um, super late models because obviously Brett Suggs is going to win that. Uh, he's won just literally about every race he's ever run in those. Uh, so we'll skip that one. Um, that takes us to the truck series. And boy, this one's going to be tough too. This one's going to be interesting. Let's see. Looking at who's in, Bill Rivard, J.R., Lucas, Dominic Lee, T.J. Floyd, Blake Giglio. Um, Bill Rivard's got two wins. I think he's the only one with two wins in that series. Uh, Ian Montrose is in there as well. Jake Lawrence is still in there. Um, I think they are anyway. Let me double-check this. Yeah, they did reset on this stuff. Okay, so Ian, Joel, Jake, blah, 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 blah. Okay, Scott Elston's in this one as well. And even Billy made it in the playoffs. So with trucks, man, this is a tough one. I think that if, um, hmm, man, it's hard to bet against Lucas in a truck series. I'm just going to go and say it. I think it's going to come down to Lucas and Bill. I think Bill Rivard versus Lucas, maybe even Blake. Um, I think that's going to be the big three for this one right here. Dominic Lee has the ability to get up there, and, and if he makes makes it through the playoffs with um, him, you know, showing up for every one of them, you know, maybe he has an opportunity to get in there and maybe play spoiler, but. Man, it's hard to bet against Lucas in the truck series. So I'm going Lucas with the trucks again. Um, Legend series. Hadn't talked much about them today, but um, the uh, oh man, Dominic is a. Uh, I think it's a. I don't know. I can't say it's a two horse race in this one because Alex Relling is still going to be in it. Um. And he has the ability to beat those guys. Um, obviously, the uh, the winless champion also still a uh, a threat there as well with Buzzio. Um, and then Michael Edwards is also fast in those cars. Um, I don't know, man. This one's a tough one. I mean, y'all even let Will Sparks in there, and that that can that can just that can absolutely just destroy everybody's. 
I mean, he has the ability to go out there and win races, like just like the rest of them. But uh, I'm going to say there's going to be a new champion, and it's going to be one of two people. It's either going to be Dominic Chisholm if he doesn't get stuck racing his real race car, or and if that happens, if he misses a race, then all bets are off. But I think it's going to come down between Dominic and Jack Painter. They have had to have been two of the fastest ones out there, no matter what track it is. Um, but, uh, I mean, you, I can't really bet against Adam Buzzio either. I think that's going to be the spoiler. The three-time winless champion uh, could happen. Um, it's still a possibility. So, But I think that Dominic's probably going to be the guy to be, to be in the Legends Series coming up playoff time. Um, and that's going to bring us to, if I can get out of this, thank you, Street Stocks, the, um, the new series that has, uh, come in here, and one of my, honestly, one of my personal favorites, um, obviously with it being a lot of short tracks, um, this is the one that I think that I'm going to actually try to win the championship in, um, not picking myself by any means. Um, but I know who probably the toughest competition I'm going to have, who I think the final four will be, I think is probably going to come down to myself, um, Mark Kincaid, Cody Brown, and Cody Cleaver. Now, Cody Brown's been fast in about everything, uh, about every race we've run. I haven't made all the races, but I've made a good number of them. Same thing with Cody Cleaver, but Cody rattled off like three wins, like back to back to back, and all of them were like relatively different types of tracks. Um, if it's a road course, which I know the finale is not a road course, um, then we would all be in trouble. I think if it was a road course in the finale, it's a no-brainer. It would come down to Cody Cleaver or Lucas Hoisman. But um, with it being short tracks and obviously the finale being at North Wilkesboro, that uh, that plays into the short track guys a little bit better. And I think that Wilkesboro, um, while Cody Cleaver is fast on short tracks and big tracks, he's on he's more than just a road course guy, but he's really really fast on road courses. Um, man, it, it's uh, it's tough to bet against Cody Brown. And I think this is this is one chance that Cody has in winning a championship. Um, I look at him and him and Cody Cleaver as being like the biggest threats that I have, because obviously I'm going to try to win this championship. But by no means do I think that I will win the championship. Um, but hey, we'll give it the best shot that we can. And I've always wanted to do playoff racing because I wanted to kind of show that hey, I can do it. And now I have to put up and shut up. I have to actually do it. So we're going to go do it and uh, see what happens with it. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be Cody Brown or Cody Cleaver is going to be the the toughest ones to, to deal with. And, I mean, Mark Kincaid, I still think, can probably be a, a really good sleeper pick in this one because he's been fast all around. So um, <clears throat> that's going to take care of the playoff stuff. Now we get to the fun stuff. Move Salem. 
my cat has decided that now is the time for cuddles. Um, so I guess he's telling me I need to wrap this shit up, but not before. And if Craig would not fuck up this time, thank you. I've already, I've already got that shit that I have to deal with. But luckily, this is only one um, audio file I have to do, so it's going to make editing a hell of a lot easier than trying to do three or four. Kind of why I wanted to do this solo. So, one thing that I wanted to do for this show was to have listener questions. And, you know, it's usually the same, the, the, the usual suspects here that, are, that send in questions to me. And by the way, even after this show comes out, Continue to send questions because I will. I will. I will still. I want to try to make this a segment, you know, at some point during the shows. Um, I guess while I'm talking about the show in general here, um, hopefully sometime soon I'm going to have merch coming out. Uh, trying to figure out how to do that stuff. Like I said, this whole thing, this whole podcast, this whole show thing, is all in a, a learning experience for me because I come into this knowing zero, knowing nothing. So the fact that I'm even doing a show and I've had, you know, X number of episodes and I have, you know, people that are actually listening to it is mind blowing to me because I figured no one would listen to this bullshit. But here we are. So now I'm thinking about trying to come out with merch, coming up with ideas for it, you know, and incorporating Various things from SRL, from Two Extreme Motorsports, from Low Drag, whatever. Um, I'm trying to figure out ways of doing that. Once again, I don't know nothing. I know nothing about it. Um, and at some point soon, I want to try and get a website up. Something else that I don't know anything about. So I'm working on this stuff. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to grow it a little bit. If you want, um, while I'm doing this, literally sitting in a bed with a cat. On my phone. So, yeah, growth and uh, moving on up. Okay. So, anyway, listener questions. Um, I, I'll tell you how I'm going to do this. I'm just going to go straight down the list right here. It's one of the easiest way to do this. So, Clint Roberts, my uh, spotter, also broadcaster and fellow competitor at SRL, um, he does the broadcasting for the Cup Series. And, you know, um, likes to money shift and everything else that he does. Uh, asked me, how do I feel about being called Clifford? Um, well, it is my middle name. So, I guess I'm okay with it. But, yes, I have been called Clifford the Big Red Dog since preschool. So, that joke is really, really, really old to me. I get it. Whatever. But, yeah, that's my, actually my middle name. Um uh, but, yeah, there's there's that one. So then um, Hellraiser, who I think is yeah, Scott Elston, asked me, um, what is one track, past or present, that you wish you could race at or could have raced at but is no longer around? Now, I need a context for this, which I didn't ask for. It. Probably should have. But I don't know if you mean real life or in iRacing because it kind of goes into what We'll ask later on. So I'm going to go with real life here. If there was a real life racetrack that I could race at. Um, two of them. Martinsville for one. Um, and then Bowman Gray Stadium would be the other one. I've raced at South Boston. Um, Franklin County. 
Um, and those are, you know, short tracks around here. But Martinsville's kind of always been like the the granddaddy of them all around here, especially here locally. Um, I mean, Martinsville, obviously Cup Series, whatever. I would, I wish I could drive at Martinsville. I think I would be relatively decent there. Um, and then Bowman Gray is one of my favorite places to go because it's it's a it's a fucking shit show, and uh, I love shit shows apparently. So that would be my two real life ones. Um, we'll get to what Will said here in a little bit. Um, but first, Quinn had to come up with a obviously tiny penis joke. Uh, is it true you said the small package is your favorite wrestling move because it represents you the best? Um, I'm not a small guy by any means. However, um, it's not my favorite wrestling move. That would probably be a um, 450 splash off the top ropes. But uh, the small package is a highly underrated wrestling move. Um, it gets a lot of wins. A lot of them dirty, but it gets a lot of a lot of pins. Um, so yeah, nice try with that one. Um, Will Spark, obviously, uh, Wrecking Ball Will from Down Under, uh, wants to know a track already in the service that we've never raced at that you wish we would. I kind of had a different thought of what this was. Anyway. Um, a track already in the service that we've never raced at, and you wish that we would. Um, that's a tough one. I think that, uh, honestly, as a road course guy, I don't think we've ever run it, but I would love to run Bathurst. Because that is a really fun Really fucking hard, but really fun uh, road course. Um, I don't know what car that we would possibly race at Bathurst and it not be a complete shit show, but that would be a great... I mean, that, that, that's one of my favorite road courses to run at Bathurst, even though I'm absolutely terrible at the top of the mountain. Um, but, uh, yeah, if we was able to do something at Bathurst, that would be awesome. But I know that would be... Uh, Really hard selling point for this group because I, we can't hardly do fucking Watkins Glen without it being a shit show, much less go to Bathurst. Um, I don't even know if anybody actually asked the question that I thought they did. Um, let me go down them real quick. No. Okay, so nobody asked this question. But I kind of thought of it the same for what Scott's was. Um, that I wish I could have raced that. Or, or I'll, I'll tell you like this, okay? In iRacing, there's two tracks I really... Three tracks I wish they would bring to iRacing. And hopefully sometime soon they will. Um, and I think it's mainly for my own personal reasons, to kind of complete the trifecta of tracks that are all near me. Um, I would love to see a Speedway. I would love to see Orange County Speedway and Bowman Gray Stadium. I think those are the three tracks that are local to me that I need on iRacing in order for me to have, like, basically all of the tracks that I go to just randomly whatever weekends I'm off. 
Franklin County would be a good one, but Franklin County is really, really tiny. It would be almost like trying to get Wake County on here. And Wake County is a good track, but it's really, really small. Um. Anyway, moving on. Next question. What was the next question? Then? Uh, okay, so then Will comes back with another question. <laughs> yeah, I remember what he asked for this one for right here because um, Cody Cleaver and, and him beat me at Lime Rock. And then uh, Cody Cleaver kept winning races. And uh, so he asked me, is Blockbuster Racing actually a contender now, or are we still the joke team? <clears throat> well, I got to back out of this for a second. I got to go back over here to the... Uh, I got to remember who it is that's on this team. Um, team rosters. All right. So Wrecking Ball Racing, I mean uh, Blockbuster Racing. Um, they're in the bees, dickweed. Okay. All right. So, obviously, they have Will. Um, they have Maverick, who doesn't race. Uh, they have Clapper. Mm, that's a little sus. Uh, they have Cody Cleaver, who obviously has been really, really good in street stocks. Uh, Will has too when he actually shows up and races. You have Neo, Jonathan Ledger. Um, yeah, about that. They have Brandon Bikey. I didn't even know he was on that team. And he made a playoffs for Xfinity. <clears throat> Christian DeRoche. I haven't even seen him for a while. Uh, Ian Montrose, the Bulldog. Um, you know, he's... Uh, I want to say he's in the playoff in a couple of these. Dominic Chisholm, who I think is probably, if he doesn't get caught up in real Legends racing, is probably going to win the Legends Championship. And then they have Dudes Castro Neves, who is kind of on the same... He's new. What you say he's new for right now? Um, not gonna lie, man. Um, y'all have a legit roster. Like, if you look at the threats on Blockbuster Racing between Will, uh, Cody, I'll even give Brandon Bikey a, a a shot in there because he's actually run good in Xfinity this season. Ian Montrose, Dominic Chisholm. That's all guys that can win. Um, I mean, if you look at my team, we don't have that many. You know, I wouldn't say we have that many that could legit win. Um, we don't even have that many that actually race right now. Uh, it's really like three or four of us that actually show up to races. Um, but compared to other teams, I mean, there's still other teams that I think have. Worse drivers, you know, I mean, they're still, I mean, they're, I mean, most of them don't show up, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I mean, hey, I mean, I wouldn't say you guys are a joke. I wouldn't even say y'all were the joke team to begin with. I think it was kind of a joke team when you and Maverick were kind of doing the things because y'all had the most ugliest looking cars. And um, it was only like two or three of y'all in y'all only showed up to a race every so often. So I think that's kind of where the joke team kind of come from. Yes, we call y'all wrecking balls because, I mean, you look at it. Uh, <laughs> we have the, we the wrecking ball wheel spark. We have Jeremy Clapper, who we I've already gone into that. You have Neo, who, God help him, he can't get out of anybody's way. Literally, that happened tonight. Um... Uh, DeRoche, I, I can't remember. He was kind of iffy 
I would say. Um, Ian Montrose is really fast. But, I mean, I wouldn't call him a wrecking ball. He can he can be a wrecking ball for I mean for sure, but I wouldn't say it's uh, necessarily a like in the way wrecking ball. He's just kind of a overly aggressive wrecking ball. Um, Dominic's I mean Dominic's fast. Bikey's pretty fast. Cleaver's fast. Maverick doesn't show up for anything, so hard to tell. And I mean, and then Will's got speed too, and and Ian's got speed. So it's it's. Uh, I wouldn't say you guys are. Uh, I wouldn't say you guys are the joke team. I wouldn't even say anybody would have called you a joke team, really, for quite a few seasons, and especially since you guys got all these a lot of these newer guys in there too. Um. So yeah, I mean, quit quit downing yourself. You're not that bad. Jeez. Um. Oh, I lost my spot. Lovely. Thanks, Discord. Um. Blockbuster. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay. So then, <laughs> so then Swiss come up with this one. Our own DG Swiss comes up and says. What's something you say behind Swiss's back, but never say to him directly? Hmm. Now, I know a lot of people probably think that um, I'm, it's probably me talking shit behind his back, or calling him a dickhead, or saying he's a dick, or saying he's an asshole, or whatever, but I think I've already told him that, and he would probably agree with me. Um... Something I've said behind his back. I don't really know if I've said anything behind his back, really. Um, I mean, during the whole um, him versus Buzzio thing, I, I kind of saw both sides of him was going, you know, some of the things that he was doing with, his, with, with the broadcasting, I was like, I don't really agree with that. Um, but I wouldn't really say I, I, I said anything out of line. Behind his back, nothing. I wouldn't tell him right to his face, you know. I, dick move. I, t- I tell him that all the time. Um, hmm. I probably would say that. And a little bit of backstory on this is that I don't think. I, well, actually, I don't think I've ever said that to anybody either. Now that I think about it, I was gonna say that me and him kind of have similar situations that kind of brought us both to iRacing, uh, kind of to get away from other shit that was going on in our lives. Obviously, his way worse than mine, but still, uh, in, in the same realm, I guess you could say, was kind of what brought us to iRacing. And then, I don't know, man. I mean, me and him, we get each other. You know, he's, you know, a Virginia guy and he comes from you know roughly the same area. Um we're we're both smart asses. We're both kind of hard headed and can be a dick at times. But uh, I don't know. We're too damn similar. I think. Um, I can't think of anything I've said behind his back. Honestly, now that I think about it, um, other than when he took over the when everybody was saying that he was taking over ownership, and he wasn't going to drive anymore. I kind of said, I don't know. I felt like it would be kind of one-sided towards one team. But even then, I don't think that's happened, you know. Um, 
I thought maybe the favoritism could have worked into it, but now everybody seems to think that about every other team that's out there. Other than mine, though. Nobody thinks my team's got any favoritism. We're all just a bunch of dickheads. Um, but yeah, that's about the only thing I can think of that I probably could have said or anything like that, but I don't know what he's heard. Um, but, uh, nah, I don't think there's any anything I've said behind his back that I wouldn't say to him or haven't said to him already. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, the whole us coming to iRacing thing, I, I, I get it. You know, we come from similar shit, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I understand that. Um, and then we got, now we got a whole nother headache down that we're over here doing this league stuff. So, yeah, maybe what were we thinking sometimes? But I, I get it. Trust me, I get it. All right. Um, all right. So then Scott Elston comes back with this one. If you had an opportunity to wreck someone, okay, without getting a penalty, okay, who would you wreck knowing that they would wreck you when you passed them? It would be middle of the race, at least one more pit stop to go, and you're running 10th to 15th. Okay, Scott, you literally just, like, described every single race that I run, okay? And who would I wreck without getting a penalty? I have done that so many times. I have wrecked people without getting a penalty. Mainly because I make it look really, really good. Now, granted, the, the Jeremy Clapper thing, I didn't make that look good at all. I didn't want that to look legit. I wanted to make a point with that one. But I have wrecked people, whether it be um, intentional or not. I've wrecked a lot of people. I mean, it has happened. But who would I wreck now without getting a penalty? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> without getting a penalty, I, I mean, the penalties don't matter to me, really. Re realistically, they really don't. Um, sometimes I might not agree with them, but I can't think of anybody really that I want to, other than TJ Roberts. I really want to wreck TJ Roberts, but I'll get that. I'll get to that eventually. Um, that'll happen. You know, I just waiting for the right time, I guess. Um, yeah, if I could figure out a way of doing that without getting a penalty, that might be my pick for right now. Um, of course, and of course, Swiss said he'd wreck that Scott fucker. So, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with Swiss there either. Um, let's see. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm reading this right here, I see that Swiss said the only series I raise my choices are limited, but I always seem to be around the 37 guy. That's another thing. Me and Swiss always seem to end up being right around each other. Like I think if there's somebody not named Jeremy Clapper that I've pro or Quinn Newton that I've run into the most in this entire league, it's probably Swiss. Me and him have had so many run-ins and so many wrecks. And so many quote unquote beefs. Um, even though, yeah, I did say he was one of my least favorite people to race around, but that was only because anytime I got near him, we wrecked. So uh, we always end up seeming to find each other. But uh, 
not not wrecking so much. Now, he did wreck me once, um, and then I kind of almost flipped him. And uh, but you know that happens. I mean, it's short track racing. It's whatever. <clears throat> so um, so then Jeremy Shear come in here with a uh, a good one and said, uh, "What's your thoughts on zero fast repairs for let's say the Cup Series next season?" Not just Cup Series, let's say that. I uh, think it would have an impact on the decisions and questionable blocks. No. Um, or passes that people attempt early on. No. Or would it just ruin the fun? Okay. You kind of answered it both ways right there. Um, do I think zero fast repairs would make a difference? Um, to an ex- it will clean up the racing to an extent because it will put more severity on fucking up. Um, And it kind of comes back to the owning up to your mistakes. I like having a fast repair just because I don't, and it's kind of what Banio's point has always been on this, is he doesn't like getting caught up in other people's fuck-ups, even though it happens. Um, You know, but zero fast repairs doesn't necessarily fix the issue as far as overaggression or blocking or you know dive bombing or whatever um because and you can ask you know a lot of the the, the CTC guys that ran over in um area which is another league that I race in usually on Tuesday nights um over an area, they have zero fast repairs, and you would still see wrecks happen all the time. They have very, a lot more stricter uh, rulings, I guess you could say, on uh, wrecks that happen over there, more so than over here at SRL. And yeah, they do have longer green runs to an extent, but that's usually after you've had two or three big ones early in a race where it is I mean I mean they can be parking lots and you end up with ten cars that get taken out of a thirty five car field. Um it it kind of weeds out a lot of the problems and so then you might have longer green runs after that. Now I do think that's where zero fast repairs would help over here at SRL is the fact that when uh, Jeremy Clapper dumps somebody, but all right, let's take for instance the North Wilkesboro deal. Zero fast repairs probably would have made it easier for what you actually that is zero fast repairs. That's a bad, bad fucking idea. It's a bad fucking um, example. Then, um, if we were to do zero fast repairs. For a truck race at Talladega. And you get one big one. And it tears up. Eight or nine cars. So then you end up with. You know really 20. Let's say 20 ish. um, Trucks that are. Competitive. But then you have nine. Or ten or whatever. That are limping around. Um, If they're even running at all. And then you run into instances where the pack's three wide going through turns three and four and in the lap cars in the middle of the track and there's nowhere to go. 
you know, and they're going 40 miles an hour slower. Uh, that's that's one of the issues, I think, with having a zero fast repair. Um, I don't think it is the solution, the end-all, be-all solution to it. I think that um, the biggest thing that has to happen is that you have to have people start to own up to their own to their to their mistakes. Um, and, and I think that with the penalty system that Adam's kind of trying to introduce into this thing, um, I think it's a step in the right direction, at least. Um, you know, the people that are problems that constantly cause wrecks are going to start getting a little bit more. The the the, the leeway isn't going to be there quite as much. Um, kind of how I see it for that, but. I think in certain situations, zero fast repairs can be a good thing. Much like the uh, Super Late Model series, it works over there. I mean, you wreck, you're done. Um, and also, you got to think about damage models for some of these cars. Like I've seen where uh, Arca car hits the wall, and it's not that big of a hit. It's not like they pounded the wall; they just kind of bounced off of it, or even just you know, kind of nudged up against it, and all of a sudden the the freaking tire just flies up through your root through your hood and you you all of a sudden you got a meatball. Uh that's another instance where it's good to have that fast repair just so that if you get that wonky ass damn damage model that happens where it blows your freaking tire off and some shit like that, that can at least be fixed, you know, versus having a zero and you're fucking sitting there for ten minutes for uh barely grazing a wall. So it, it it's a it's an idea, but I don't think it's the solution. Um. All right, oddball, William Asher Branner, uh, coming up with a good one. So here's a thought on the upper series leagues we run. What if all new drivers had to run a minimum of three races in ARCA, considered our beginner series? Not so much now. Um. Once that is done, they can get invited to the upper series only if sponsored by another established driver in that series. And say that, and say this can only be bypassed by an admin who is willing to vouch for the driver for immediate access. All right. We tried something like that. And, and you were around for this too at William, by the way. Um, in the early days, when... Now, I'd say the early days, like I've been here for the entirety of it. Um, I came in early, but I wasn't here for the entirety. Um, but when when we started to really grow things, and you could kind of see that things were starting to grow with various series coming up all week, the ARCA series was kind of looking at the beginner series. And I don't think it is so much no more. You look at the names that are in the playoffs. I mean, how many of them are new guys? Um, not a lot. I think that, uh, and, and, and some of that has to do with the fact that we opened up everything else to where it's just like anybody can run whatever. Um, on the one hand, I do think that it is probably relevant for the Cup Series. Because uh, the Cup Series, you know, when CTC did the Cup Series in SRL, it was an invite quote-unquote invitation-only series. Um, somehow they let me into it. I don't know. Um, but even then, there was guys in there, and you're going, how in the hell did they get invited to this? Cause they, I mean, you know. Um, but 
I think that uh, if you can, and and Swiss always brings up the point of well, some people can't run on certain days, whatever, and that's that's fine, whatever. But if it's a day, you know, that you can or can't run, there's plenty of options. You know, it, it, there's other things, there's other series you can go out there and run. Um, if it's just a one-day thing, uh, I mean, whatever. It, it is what it is. Some people are more into their hobbies than other things. Anyway, moving on from that. Um, I don't think that a minimum of three races... And I don't think that necessarily... I, I think there has to be a certain... Um, I don't want to say a council or a committee. But I think it has to be looked at um, in a certain way with each driver. And not saying it's across the board for all new guys. There's established guys I think you could go back and watch um, some of the races and kind of sit there and, go and have questionable thoughts and go, what the hell was that? Um, but seeing the race craft of each of each group, I think, um, I think that it's something that's something that for recruitment races or moving forward with newer guys, I think we could maybe take a couple of, uh, preliminary, preliminary steps to, you know, maybe like a three race probation or whatever, you know, new guy probation. I saw where Adam was trying that some this season, um, whether or not it worked or not. Um, you know, I think that for newer guys, it kind of puts them on a little bit of a, hey, I got to, you know, drive like I have some sense in this, you know, I think it keeps people from just coming in and um, kind of fucking around much like the uh, put it out esports guys did, you know, yeah, they were fast and, and everything, but I mean, was their racecraft really that great? I know they wouldn't shut the fuck up. Um, but I mean, Colton Zimmer was fast, but he was also pretty aggressive. Um, I know Lynn Glade was pretty decently fast at, at, at certain tracks and stuff, but even then, how many wrecks did he get into, um, or complain about stuff? And then, um, uh, what the crap was his name? Salem, help me out here. Um, Richie Sprague, uh, I mean, we saw what he did in the street stocks, and I mean, had everybody hating him, you know. <laughs> I mean, and they and all those guys were relatively new, and I think that nobody knew what was going to happen with it. I think that the street stock series, it. I, I, well, let me go back a step here. How you wanted the Arca series to kind of be the beginner series, I think that Arca, street stocks, and legends. All three of those are now kind of kind of synced together as the beginner series, more so than Xfinity Cup and Truck. Um, and I think you could you could use all three of those as kind of a stepping point to get into Xfinity Trucks Cup, whatever. Um, obviously, they're not going to implement something like that. They're not going to force people, people, new people. To run just legends or street stocks or ARCA. Um, I mean, we tried that. It didn't really work. I liked it. I kind of 
I kind of dug it though, honestly. If I was if I was new and coming in, and it was like, hey, you have to start an Arca series, and then you can work your way up. And once you showed it, you can handle being an Arca. Then you can move up and run Xfinity and Truck. And then if you get in there and you're running that pretty decently, then they'll invite you into the Cup Series or whatever. I've seen places that do it like that, and I'm okay with it. But I don't know. I don't know necessarily if it'll be the right fit for SRL. But I do think that. The three race, you know, watch, you know, at least learning someone's racecraft, whether they know what the hell they're doing or not. I think that's something that perhaps having a group of guys that are willing to do that. Um, I mean, not saying watch lap for lap for lap, but go back and review what somebody does during a race. You know, I'm all for that. Um. But yeah, I do think there should be a vetting process. Uh, let's see. And then, of course, Swiss come up with an idea. He actually put this in the uh, in the, in the question section uh, about thinking about doing a cup rookie versus a cup pro system on Wednesdays. Now that could work out if you do it the right way. If you have a cup pro race and a cup rookie race. Do not have them on the track at the same time. I think that it would work out. Um, but we've done the whole uh, pros and regulars in ARCA, and that was a whole other shit show. I don't think anybody wants to try that again uh, in, in the same race anyway. Um, I cracked my screen on my phone, and it's really annoying the crap out of me right now. I keep thinking it's a hair. All right. Um... All right, Caleb Brees coming up here with a teammate of mine, obviously, coming up with their thoughts on the EOL rule, in the line rule. I I mean, it's fine, I guess. I mean, most tracks locally have it. You know, any Saturday night show you go to, you're going to have EOLs. Um, Maybe not done quite so, quite in the same way that it is here. There's some places more strict, some places a little bit more... Uh, relaxed on that, you know, to kind of look at intent um, versus whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, EOLs are fine. But uh, I think it's necessary. You know, like I said, if it would have been a, a situation at the uh, in, in, in the Super Race, I know I said I wasn't going to bring this shit up, but I keep bringing up the damn Super Series for some reason. Um, because it, it, it's Part of it. Um, if race control is giving out EOLs and Jeremy Clapper gets put to the back after he spun to 73, the rest of that doesn't happen because he doesn't catch up to me to, to wreck me. He doesn't, I mean, he might have still caught up to Jeremy Scherer and wrecked him, but I, I mean, put him to the back once for doing that. I mean, he was running, you know, sixth or seventh or whatever it was. I mean, he was right in the middle of everything, and then it just kept happening, kept happening, and kept happening. I mean, it's, an EOL would have probably prevented all of that from happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's necessary, but much like I said earlier in the, in this show, um, the right people had to make the calls. I think that certain race controls. And I know everybody go, well, why don't you volunteer to do it? Well, I would if I could make it to every one of them, but I can't. Um, but 
the um, I do think that certain guys call races differently. Um, Banio calls them his way. Clapper calls them his way. Chris Isaac calls them his way. Um, who the fuck else does this stuff? Uh, you know, Margeson calls them his way. Every one of them is different. And each one of them is going to have a different outlook on certain things. And they're not going to get every call right. You know, obviously Clapper missed some. I think that Bandio has missed some, has maybe called something, uh, 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 called for an EOL when it probably should have been a racing incident. You know, two guys dooring to each other on a short track or whatever. Uh, Margeson has probably done that as well. Um, you know, I haven't really, I don't think I've actually been in a race where Isaacs was a RC, except for maybe the uh, Nashville race. It might have been the only one. And I mean, it, it, the last lap of that one was a shit show, so. Hard to tell. Um, so then Quinn comes up with the thoughts on his clean win. I've already talked about that. I thought it was a good move. So then uh, we're starting to wrap this thing up here, by the way. The cat has now fallen asleep on me. Um, Swiss come up with the uh, thoughts on the bump and run versus a dump and run. And it's going to be the last one because this is going to be the rant of the show for the most part. Um, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, and I went to an entire hour and a half spiel with, you know, various admins of the Street Stock series and, and whatevers, um, and I went into this whole tirade about it and, and essentially <clears throat> turned into a lobbyist for short track racing. Um, trying to save short track racing in, in the virtual world, I guess. Um, because I'm doing the same thing as far as real life racing, you know. But, um, hold on. Yeah, there you go. Okay, go back to sleep. Anyway. Um, a bump and run versus a dump and run. Now, many people, the thing is, is that people have different opinions or different definitions of each. Um, certain people think that if you bump somebody and they spin or they wreck, that's a dump and run. To an extent, yes. Um, but it's more than that. Um, certain people think that if you touch anybody at all, then that's a dump and run. Um When it comes back to Quinn's win at Hickory, now I did fight for it because I thought it was a legit bump and run. Um, even though Damon Nagel spun and ultimately wrecked, um, and this is what I was trying to explain to people, is now a dump and run is where you go in, into a corner where you have a really wide... Um, separation of speed. If the guy in front of you is going 80 miles an hour and you're coming in going 95 miles an hour, yeah, that's not going to end well. But if you're, he's going into the corner at 80 miles an hour and you're going in at 81, 82 miles an hour, I look at that a little bit better. Say, hey, that's going to be a pretty de you You're going to be a little bit faster in order to do a bump and run because obviously you have to get to the guy. Um, most of the time, a bump and run is going to be going into the corner. 
a dump and run usually is coming out of the corner. Um, rare instances like with Buzzios. Um, and then, and, and look, that one was a closer to a dump and run per se, even though he didn't actually wreck Mike, but he did hit him coming off of the corner. You know, once you come through the apex and you're back on throttle, um, the way that I've always kind of looked at it is like, if I'm coming off the corner better than you are, and I bump you coming off the corner, then I'm kind of doing that on purpose. Now, sometimes it might be a difference of speed, like like in the case of Buzzio's deal, where he wasn't expecting for the 14 to be a, you know catch him as quickly as he did. The same thing happened to me at Hickory um, with uh, dudes Castro Neves. Um, I got off the I got through the the, ape, the center of the corner better, and as I was coming up off the corner, I thought he he was brake checking me. Because he just slowed down. It seemed like he slowed down. And so all of a sudden I run up on him and run into the back of him. And, you know, it could have been a penalty on me possibly. Because I did hit him coming off the corner. But at the same time, it was one of those, was he getting loose? Was he not getting loose? Sort of deals. And it ultimately was called a racing incident. Um, so, But I think bump and runs coming off the corner are way harder to pull off. To me, a bump and run's going into the corner. Um... Dumping runs, you're looking at, if someone's going to dump you, real-life terms, you look at the Joey Logano at, at, at Darlington. That's a dump and run. He hit that guy going so freaking fast. He knew what he was doing. Um, and a majority of the time, if somebody's going to dump and run somebody, we know what we're doing. Same as a bump and run, we know what we're doing. And as the guy in the back of a bump and run... We know what we're trying to accomplish. We know what we're trying to do. We're trying to get in there, bump him a little bit, get the back end a little squirrely, just enough to move him up out of the groove and go by him on the inside. <coughs> now, to pull off a decently done bump and run, you have to bump them. Um, and it's not, it, you, not run over them or not hit them in the quarter panel. A solid bump straight to the bumper is kind of how I look at it. If you hit somebody relatively square in a bumper when you're doing a bump and run, then you're doing a bump and run. You're not trying to wreck somebody. You're not trying to wreck somebody for a win. You know, if somebody drives it in and hits you in the rear tire, rear quarter panel, whatever, that's different. That's not a bump and run. But kind of that square, just boom, pop them in the back end. And another thing is when you pop them, whether you drive through them or if you bump them and let off. If you bump them and get off of them, which is what happened in Quinn's case, which, of course, with the front end of a street stock, he kind of slid off of it. But, you know, Quinn wasn't going to drive through him. He was bumping him in order to get him out of shape, move him up the track. Um, in that case, yeah. That's a solidly done bump and run. Did the guy wreck? Yeah. And that's where I get to my second point. And that's being um, in a bump and run situation. The guy in the back knows what he's trying to do and knows what he's going to do to try and execute that. The guy in the front has to know it's coming. And in knowing how to, that it's coming, you have to know 
how to beat it. And so if Damon Nagel goes into turn three, last lap at Hickory, knowing that Quinn Newton is a quarter of a car length behind you and you don't expect to get bumped, something's wrong with you because you've got to know that's coming. <clears throat> and there are ways of beating it. Um, one thing that I explained to um, a lot of the guys that when I went through this whole thing before, one of the things I told them, I was like, well, if you're going to make it to where you can't bump and run somebody, if that's going to be an EOL, if somebody spins, it's easy. I'll just let go of the wheel, and you'll get an EOL every time. And whether that's, um, take for instance, you know, Cody Brown turned me in the street stock race. I could have just done that two, three times. All of a sudden, he's got to hold for a whole lap. I mean, I, it's really easy to make somebody dump you. Just as easy as it is to dump somebody. <clears throat> and and I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. They don't see it as, oh, the guy in the front can do various things too. Um, let's say if I was driving the 86 car, uh, last lap at Hickory, I'm leading Quinn's behind me. Um, and this situation has probably played out before with between me and him. Um, I know that if he gets a shot, he's going to take it. He's going to try to bump me. Um, so what I would do in order to beat that is, one, I would take a really shallow entry. And at Hickory, you're able to do that. Um, so that way, and, and then the other thing you can do is back up your entry point and let off early so that one of two things, he's either going to drive straight through and make it look extremely egregious to where it's a no-brainer or whatever, but you take that, if you back out early, take that shallow entry and pin it down to the apron, he's only got one way to beat you, and that is to either dump you, which obviously you don't really want that, but the lower you can get, the less it gives him the opportunity to be able to to do a decently good bump and run. It's going to be a dirty one if it gets done to you that way. Um, and not saying that it's you know what's going to happen each and every time. Um, I think that, and you know, it comes down to it where if I'm in front and I. You know, say it's early in a race and somebody comes running up and runs into you and you just let go of the steering wheel. You do that to them a couple of times. All of a sudden, they're in a in a freaking bind. They're laps down or had to do a drive-through or having to get held for a whole lap. I mean, you can But I do think that one of the things that's kind of happened with within the, the league as a whole is there's a lot of people either getting really, really upset about stuff that's just racing, you know, kind of, a, you know, well, that's a, I don't really want to do the whole fucking Denny Hamlin deal, but, you know, that's just short track racing. Um, a lot of guys get really upset about that stuff, and I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think that short tracks, short track racing has its place, and a lot of people, they look at the Martinsville race with 38 cautions. Anytime we run Martinsville, a lot of people don't like running Martinsville at all because of so many cautions. 
Well, it's a lot of cautions because you have a lot of people that don't know what they're doing. And it's not saying that the skill level here sucks, but it, it, it's not, and it's not that you know certain people don't know what they're doing. I think that groups of people, as a, you know, rosters, don't know what they're doing. Um, I think if you take the Xfinity series and you put them at Martinsville, I don't think you have nearly as many crashes as you wouldn't. You wouldn't have thirty-eight cautions for sure. Um, but, and also I think that car had a lot to do with that too. The next gen car is just, it's a nightmare on short tracks right now because you cannot, if you, if you mess up your lap at all, you're kind of screwed. Um, but in, in, in references to short tracks, um, I mean, I'm, Constantly gonna always vote anything for short tracks. Anything I mean, short track racing is everything I've grown up on. It's my favorite thing to go watch. My favorite thing to to do on iRacing. racing. <clears throat> you put me on a short track in whatever car, I'm I'm happy. You know, I don't really care what it is. Um, don't put me on a mile and a half. I suck at mile and a half. I hate mile and a half. I don't like watching mile and a half races. I don't think they're fun to watch at all. I like short track races for the very reason of, hey, somebody might throw a decent looking bump and run and get some shit started. Not to mention a track like Bowman Gray, you have to bump and run there. And they don't just bump, they slam. They slam and run. I mean, but that's how you have to pass on a track like that. I mean, God God forbid we ever take any of these things up to, to New Hampshire. We would all have a fucking hissy fit trying to run New Hampshire, because you have, it's a flat track, you have to do that, you have to get right up on somebody like that, um, that's how, that's why Martinsville is hated by so many people in league races like this, because it produces a lot of caution, because how are you going to pass at Martinsville, but you can sit there and try to angle it to get a run off of a corner, and do that for 15 laps, but what if you only have a 50 lap race, or you only have 50 laps to go? Well, you don't have 15 left to sit there behind that guy and fuck with him and fuck with him and fuck with him and fuck with him until he fucks up, and that usually doesn't happen. Eventually, you have to get up there and kind of nudge him along a little bit, you know? But that's... <clears throat> I don't know. I've kind of talked my fucking talked myself into a circle here. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about now. I'm just going on and on and on. Will says, you sure you don't want to fire Craig? I really want to fire Craig. I mean, Craig has been a shithead in this one, and it's going to take some editing for me to get it fixed, but uh, I think it's probably going to do it for today. We tried this whole phone thing. Hopefully it doesn't sound like crap. If it does, it'll just take me longer to come out with the episode. I'm probably going to try and edit this one up down tomorrow and try and have it out. Um, like I said, I'm trying different things, trying different ways of doing stuff. I'm doing this because Terry's in the bedroom in there and she's sick for ever how long she's been sick for now, literally over a week. Um and now I'm starting to come down with it, obviously with the fucking dry throat and sore throat stuff that I got going on now. I'm doing the best I can. So I'm trying this thing on my phone back here in the quiet at fucking four thirty in the morning trying to get all this crap done. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll have some merch coming out soon. Um, it won't be nothing big. I mean, I'm, I've got a thousand ideas on stuff, but execution is a different thing. I have no idea how to do that crap. Uh, hopefully get a website up going here sometime soon. I kind of have a idea of what I want to do with that, but I really don't know. It's also something else I don't know anything about. But that's kind of what I'm looking to do here for the future, at least. And hopefully be able to be able to do these shows a little bit more, more like, uh, more often. That's the word I was looking for. I'm really tired. Um, because I right now I'm taking way too long in between the shows. Like I'm getting, I I I kind of had an idea of doing this whole thing from the last show to this show. You know, obviously changing how we're doing it. Um, and uh, I wanted to kind of wait a little bit to get you know at least some content gathered together. I got too much, so now I've done nothing but ramble. Um, I think I I can definitely streamline this thing down to where it's a little bit better than that, but. Um, I've been sitting here talking to myself for like two fucking hours and I am ready to go to bed. So I'm Cliff Mullins. I'll see you guys next time. And hopefully sometime I'll figure out how to do all this website merch shit bullshit. I know I'm going to bed. Okay. I hear you. Okay. Jesus. The cat once again. Um, anyway, I'm Cliff Mullins. I'm out of here and, uh, this has been Spitting Venom. And I'm going to bed.